And the reason I'm going to take, I would take uh, a transaction in cryptocurrency in 2021, at least, is uh, because of the debasing value of cash versus the accelerating appreciation of cryptocurrency through right. the remainder of the year. Right. So as we as a country print more and more money, right now, 40% of the monetary supply has been printed since the pandemic. Okay. So and that wow. and that's historical 40 wow. percent ever wow okay so think about what happened when um now the government can argue that there's no inflation and they're lying welcome to the disruptance podcast here are your hosts eric forney and michael bounds Every week on the show, Mike, we aim to disrupt the way um, entrepreneurs and real estate agents think about their business in order to make them more profitable and productive. And this week, I want to disrupt the way you think about the lies you've been told. We've been told a ton of lies in business and in life. And oftentimes we accept them to be truth and accept them to be common sense. And yet I'm here today to tell you that most of them uh, don't actually apply in today's business world, especially in today's real estate environment. And so let's switch things up a little bit this week and have um, Tyler be our moderator. And, and then uh, we, can, we can bounce back and forth and see if you're still believing this lie or, uh, or if we're in alignment on, on what some of these are. Okay. Yeah, All right. I'm, I'm uh, extra curious because I grew up around realtors. Um, I've been I'm around sorry. realtors probably for... <laughs> 20 years and so i've seen i've seen everything from like the transition of briefcases being like (laughs) the only thing with like all your offers and proposals and stuff in it to like a macbook air so now i'm curious um one thing that i was thinking about this week was um how real estate agents dress and if you think that is applicable did I say that right? Applicable. Yep. Yep. I look at Kate because she usually is one that like. She's the she's grammar just, Nazi. I like, I'll like start it. spinning out and then she's like, <laughs> now here, this, this is the way you say it. Um, but I was curious if real estate agents are, if you see more realtors nowadays dressing up for appointments or dressing like chic billionaire. You know, nice mm. T-shirt, nice jeans, nice shoes. That Zuckerberg. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. What do you got, Mike? Um, I think that that is under or overrated. Um, the second I started not caring about, well, for one, uh, I think you have to be authentic. You have to be yourself. And so it's the second I stopped dressing to impress others, uh, I actually tended to find more success. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it matters. It matters what you wear. And this is from a guy who's wearing a, a sweatshirt and a pair of jeans right now, right? And who has adopted um, more of that in the last uh, 12 months as a result of COVID, um, the, the, one year of, the one year anniversary of our, right. of our two-week shutdown um, <laughs> being, right, being this week. Um, man, I, I know when I started, uh, I... I I wore a suit every single day and, and, um, if I could still fit in them, I probably would wear them every day too. But COVID, uh, also was, was hard on my wardrobe and my waistline. So, um, I, I think it matters because, um, it's about how you show up. And when you start uh, as an agent, 
you're not the person who um, has the results or the um, influence to look like you're experienced and successful. So for me, dressing for success was dressing for the person that I wanted to become. And that was the mindset I put myself in every day. So I guess it depends on where you are in your career. Yeah. I don't have to wear one today. Yeah. But yeah, I wore a suit every day. I, I get that. Yes. I agree with that too. Okay. So you would say. But Michael Jordan looked way better in a suit than uh, and showed up more professional than those dressed unprofessionally. So the reason why I say that is because the dress isn't really about me. It's about the way I'm perceived. So the, the, my, the way others perceive me. So if I come in dressed a certain way, that's going to alter the way I'm perceived by my client. If that makes any yep. sense. So once you make it to a certain level, that becomes less important. Yeah, because you're wearing confidence and experience. Right. That's what you dress yourself I've got in. receipts. Yeah, yeah that's, right. At this point. that's right. So I, I don't want to give the message that everybody just, you know, stop <laughs> dressing crazy. Yeah. Uh, but I just do want you to also to know that I know as I matured in my career, I started realizing that, um, you know, I, there's other things other than there's people that dress really well and are terrible real estate agents. <laughs> and I know so some maybe, people yeah. that don't dress as well and they're very good. So well, one thing I think is interesting and, and we'll, we'll go to the next slide. But um, there was a uh, Robert Cialdini, who we've talked about a couple of times uh, in his um study of um, human behavior and psychology um, talked to had a, had this study where they, they studied people who were crossing the street mm -hmm. and who were like honking horns at other cars and how they treated people in a, um, in a, in a social environment where they knew no one. And they found that people were more willing to cross the street following someone wearing a nice suit or a uniform than they were willing to cross the street following someone who was wearing a t-shirt and jeans. And so they found that whether we subconsciously or consciously make that decision, um, it doesn't matter, but they, that people do actually um, get more influence from someone who's dressed either in a uniform or in like dress attire. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I'd be curious how that plays out to the next possible lie that I've been told. And what about vehicles? Like, so I feel like I've seen a wide range of Honda Civics, like decked out Honda Civics, yeah. uh, like maybe 30K on the high end. But then I've also seen, you know, a $110,000 Porsche that's showing like a $100,000 house. So yeah. what are your guys' thoughts? Is it necessary to have a nice vehicle as a real estate agent? Do you... You we, talk to me. We are probably the wrong. We're probably the, we're the wrong two people for this. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. So um, I don't give me give me a breakdown I of think, the history of the cars that you've had since being. A so real you're a car guy too. Like. So I'm. You know, I've been obnoxious and I've been humble. So <laughs> I pulled up. Believe in Vipers and Hellcats. I've actually did showing you had escalade too yeah escalate but uh i drive a 2003 granny caddy i do <laughs> I how does that. how does that stack up comfortability wise though to those other cars 
comfortability. Like, yeah, like drive. You feel good in your granny cab. I mean, you know what? There's something when you get out of a Cadillac Escalade. There's something about the way you feel when you <laughs> okay. step out of that. You okay. know what I'm saying? Okay. So, like, from a confidence perspective, uh, but to be honest with you, it, I, my numbers, the, now that I, I drive this this old my it, my aunt gave it to me. It's, it's a, look like no car payment. Like man, that's but sick. I drive sixty thousand miles a year, so yeah. it's yeah. just stupid to that's do that to my. I had a I have a two thousand fifteen Escalade, and you put sixty thousand miles. Do your a year customers on it, make ridiculous. comments either way? Do they make a comment when you drove a Viper, and do they comment? Um, now? I, I for one, I don't like. I didn't drive the Viper that often because I felt like. Um, and those are gone. I don't have have that stuff anymore. But um, I felt that 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 was kind of obnoxious. I didn't like driving those. I don't know why I had that. That that's only you talked about it two weeks ago on the show. <laughs> about that was a, that was the poster that hung up in your like yeah, garage or your house or yeah, something, right? Yeah, it's I'm like, super weird about make my image. So yeah, okay. that's the reason why I never really drove drove that. But to me, yes, people. Okay. So people make assumptions about your success level depending on what you drive. Yeah. So when I pull up in a certain vehicle, um, there's uh, people are are, diff- are responsive to you yeah. differently. Um, I had another agent that I recruited. It came on. A, I pulled. I had. I drove a certain my Escalade, and he joined my. Like he, I want that. Yeah. So, yeah, people are willing to be influenced. I would be lying if I told you that driving a nice car did not impact you, but it's not a prerequisite. I can hit, I can push a lot of weight driving the granny caddy, I guess, if you you will. So how about you? Yeah, so for me, um, I guess I'm similar. Not that I drive a granny caddy today. (laughs) However, I would. Um, So... Uh, you know, I started, I, I rented a car. I had, I had, I've probably told this story off air, but I, I was, I had someone call in about seeing a house for a million two and man, I'd never been in a million dollar house before. Like I didn't know what somebody who owned a million dollar house did. And, and I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> and so, you know, I scrapped a bachelor party that I was um, supposed to go to that weekend and I stayed home and I researched every single house that had sold in that location for a million plus for two days, man. I wrote write-ups and essays and, um, and, and bullet points and details about every single thing I could take in knowledge wise about what a million dollar house would look like in our market at the time so that I could be prepared because I'd been in the business for less than a year at the time. And then I rented a car. And I wore a suit. And that was because I wanted to show up credibly. Mm-hmm. And um, and so to me, it depends on who your audience is. In that case, it, it felt to me like I should be as prepared as possible to convert. Now, the, the, interestingly, those people have still never bought a home seven years later. And I check on it every year. And so I never got paid a commission. However, I got paid in all of the knowledge and the experience that I gained along the way by going through that preparation process. And so that part paid off. Um, I've always driven nice cars that are not, that are expensive, but I let some other moron take the depreciation on. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so, you know, I, I bought the vehicle I have now and decided, and when I got it, I, I wanted to take all the badging off of it. So I had the dealer take everything off 
letters, decals, stickers, emblems, and you'll still never hear me today talk about what I drive because there is that perception from the customer. Eventually you have those that are, that, uh, give you additional credibility because of what you drive. And then there are those that are like, well, you're overpaid. Yeah. And so I try to, I try to figure out a balance. So, you know, I always tell people I drive either a white SUV or a red SUV. Yep. And that's what I go with because for me, the brand is irrelevant. The brand is about my own insecurity. If I have one, if I attach the brand and the identity to it, then that's about my own insecurity. Whereas I drive the cars I drive because I like them. Right. And because someone else took all the loss and depreciation on it. And then I get the business tax write off. Um, Funny enough. So we, so I guess as transparency, so we, we have two Range Rovers and, um, and funny enough, man, we just bought a we just bought a white Range Rover uh, a couple months ago. My parents were looking for a new minivan. Their minivan costs more than um, our than we paid for our Range Rover. Right. And you know, it's five hundred and fifty horsepower Range Rover yeah, that was a, that somebody paid one hundred and thirty thousand dollars yeah. for. Yeah. And then it lost the majority of its value in a short period of time. And so. Uh, I've always been really hardcore about saving a ton of money on letting somebody else take the loss and then use the tax benefits of the heavy equipment that way. But I do think, I think they matter not as much as people want them to, to though. Can I, can I, one exclamation point. I once hired a person that had an Audi and he spent a lot of money on this Audi and he did not sell anything. <laughs> and I would, I would caution against real estate agents or any kind of entrepreneur to go out and get debt because they feel oh, yeah. that they have to have an image. And, you know, I, I told him the brand will take care of itself. Go out and, 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 and make receipts and the brand will take care of itself. And then you'll have that Audi, but he kind of put the cart before the horse. It's all, it's already too hard to be an entrepreneur without a lot of debt yep. and they go take in debt like that it was kind of crazy so that's what i want to caution dude, dude i shopped for 10 months before i was i shopped for a year and a half i had a, a e-class mercedes before before this and i could afford it and it was because i bought it used right. i mean it, i could afford it it would cost i know that yeah. lauren's kia payment was more than my my mercedes yeah, payment. i remember it, it wasn't and, crazy and um yeah. And yet I shopped for a year and a half because it, it was going to be $100 a month more than what I was driving, than the Cadillac I was driving before that. Okay. And then this was $135 a month more than my Mercedes. And it took me 10 months to finally be willing to actually pull the trigger on it. Right. Which was, which was dumb that, but I had to like, right. I had to not take on debt before I had the receipts to take on the debt and I had to mentally get there. Right. Because it's a way better business decision to have the ability to deploy capital into your business than it is into a car. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What did you end up doing with that Mercedes? That's a great. Oh, you know what? I sold it actually to one of the agents on the team. Yeah. I actually, I, we had an agent whose car uh, was pretty, was pretty beat up and he was having uh, a lot of, a lot of success. And so um, I think his car maybe quit on him or something. And so I had him, he drove it. And then, and then he bought it from me. Nice. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yep. Um, I guess all this money talks got me wondering about cash offers nowadays. If you've like had half of a conversation with a real estate agent in the last month or so, 
you've probably heard them talk about how hard it is to get an accepted offer, um, including cash offers that are over appraised value and all this other stuff. And like, if you're a real estate agent listening to this, I'm sure you're like cringing right now thinking of this, but uh, I wanted to get your guys' takes on the value of a cash offer and if it's totally necessary uh, or if that's just something like cash is king. Is that a lie? Yes, that's absolutely a lie. Here's why it's a lie is if, uh, you know, I, I am more willing to walk away from a transaction if I have the ability to pay cash for it, than if, um, then if I might lose a large portion of my liquid savings. And so what I mean by that is, is if I'm buying a house and just for simple math and so that it works nationally, uh, 339,000 is the median, um, household uh, the median home price right now as a country okay so let's go a little bit above that to make the math easier let's go 500k if i could pay cash for a five hundred thousand dollar house and the comp most common earnest money is somewhere between one to two percent say it's five grand i'm going to put down five thousand dollars to secure my my offer on a on a five hundred thousand dollar house right if i have 500k in cash walking away from five thousand dollars and losing that money doesn't hurt me. However, if I have 10% to put down or 5% to put down on that $500,000 house, um, I'm gonna have a really hard time walking away from 25% of my actual liquidity savings. That's going to hurt. I'm gonna think really hard about whether or not um, I want to move forward and or move out of the contract. And so um, the thing that people don't ever think about is the fact that when you have the money to pay cash for the house, you also have the money to lose it and walk away from it. So I'm going to make the argument that says that if you have a cash offer, you should pony up at least 10% in order to convince me that you're actually willing to do whatever it takes to move forward. Otherwise, I like the ability um, oftentimes of somebody who's got conventional financing better uh, than someone who has um, a cash offer because most people with cash are willing to walk away from it. We lost a, we had a buyer. Uh, I had a listing that buyer $900,000 deal, $900,000 cash offer. And they wa- and they were willing to walk away from it. That was, you know, because what they stood to lose at eight, nine, right. 10,000 was irrelevant in that scheme. Okay. I'm going to say depends. I'm going to say, uh, I just had this happen with a hedge fund. I just got, I had a listing, was on the market. Um, I got a cash offer from a hedge fund within um, um, uh, over asking. And um, within two days, they were like, nope, we don't want to. <laughs> they literally yeah. just yanked out. Like, yeah. And so they took all my inertia, all my momentum. And so... From that perspective, like from a, a, a like a listing agent perspective, you're, I think you're right. I think that you can be strategic and you can cash isn't necessarily king. But when I'm representing a buyer. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I want to cash buyers. Too. Yeah, yeah. If I'm representing a buyer and I want to go out and show homes, I'm going to take a buyer that has cash. It's underrated over somebody who's FHA or conventional all day because it's just going to be easier to get them done. But if I'm on the receiving end, I want to look at the totality, all the offers. Uh, I'm going to look at cash. Cash is going to be really, you know, a, a good indicator. But 
Um, yeah, so that's my answer. There. Here's the thing with the cash offer. So I wrote the 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 world's greatest offer on this house, uh, and I say that only because <laughs> it was textbook. In my opinion, it was textbook on everything that you should do in order to get your offer accepted. Now, I probably shouldn't have done this, but I did. Um, in retrospect, this was this was a, an expensive decision. However. Um, <laughs> Uh, when I bought the house, there were multiple offers on it. And what I did was I put down a substantial earnest money and made it non-refundable. Right. Because what I wanted to convey to the seller is the number one thing, in my opinion, that a seller wants is they want their money. They w- And then they want it in the least amount of time or in the ideal time frame for that person. But, but it, most importantly, they want to minimize any potential risk. And so for me, the largest amount of down payment with the least amount of risk wins because it's the, it's the most guaranteed deal. I can right now in today's market, if I offer, we sold something for $116,000 over list price last week. If I, if it's easy for someone to write a hundred thousand dollar plus offer over asking price. The question is, that's right. The question (laughs) is, is will you fulfill your commitment or not? Because if not, it's just paper, it's just paper. And, and so I think you have to think about how do you really deliver a guarantee to the seller? If you're a cash offer or if you're in, uh, if you're getting a loan. And so when I, so I got, I got a loan and beat out cash offers because I put 20% of it non-refundable. Right. My earnest money is 20% non-refundable. Here you go. Here's my down payment. I think agents are lazy. They see cash and yeah. they don't want to do they the do. math. Yeah. They just yeah. say, oh, this is a cash offer. Take the cash offer. And it feels like lower risk. Yeah. yeah. And when in all reality, it, it may not necessarily be That's the right. case. Okay. Next question. Sorry. All right. This will cash be- is trash. This is just <laughs> um, so this will be my um, this will be the last one for this episode. I've curious. Oh, we have more about we, like so many more. Yeah, okay. we got. A lot. I have a lot more to ask you about. I've been lied to for so long. <laughs> um, I, what about? I see. I wanted to ask. I was if you're not sure, but since we're talking about cash, I'd love to know is buying houses with cryptocurrency overrated or underrated in today's climate wow uh, so buying buying a house with cryptocurrency uh overrated or underrated um mike will you want to you want to kick this one off you're going to have me talking cryptocurrency (laughs) so that's not your thing that's not my jam man i'm gonna let i'm gonna stay in my lane all right so The the uh, the second uh, uh, other than my other than my family the uh, the second <laughs> love in my life cryptocurrency um, so underrated overrated if I'm a seller I would take that deal I guess it depends on what I'm being what what uh, what cryptocurrency I'm being offered and at what time but I would take that deal and the reason I'm gonna take I would take uh, a transaction in cryptocurrency in 2021 at least is uh because of the debasing value of cash versus the accelerating appreciation of cryptocurrency through the remainder of the year so as we as a country print more and more money right now 40 percent of the monetary supply has been printed since the pandemic okay so 
and that wow. and that's historical 40 wow. percent ever wow okay so think about what happened when um now the government can argue that there's no inflation and they're lying um so add that to another lie you're being told um it feels the, like it to the, me right i just went to subway it was 25 dollars for yeah, two sandwiches that's right so so inflation <laughs> does inflation may not exist but the cost of consumables Dude. drastically exists right so re- realize that the government subway, chooses 25 dollars. jeez dude that's crazy realize that the government chooses what they include in their inflation basket to calculate that so the cost of tvs has gone down from the first flat screen tv i bought right. okay great however the cost of the five dollar foot long is no longer no. five dollars it sounds like so um, so innovation and technology caused the cost of some goods to go down however the monetary printing makes the dollar worth less and therefore drives the price of consumer goods and and Every house I own has gone up um, at least 25% in the last two years, right? And so thankfully, um, that's a good thing for those that own assets. The challenge is is those that do not own assets um, are not getting ahead. And so the reason why I would be willing to say and why I'm 100% bought in on cash is trash is because of the debasing of the monetary system right now. It's estimated that cash is losing its value to the tune of 15% a year. So your dollar is actually getting about 80 to 80 to 85% equivalent of where it was pre pandemic. I believe it. And um, you know what? Your wages aren't going up though by that equivalent amount either, which is why we see this massive wealth divide continuing to to grow. And so where where cryptocurrency comes in to solve that problem, when we look at the initial um, Satoshi Nakamoto white paper of why um, you know, cryptocurrencies were even founded. It was because of the 2008 global financial crisis, because banks, the intermediary third party, were manipulating the monetary system in order to quant- do quantitative easing, printing. Right. Um, you, you know, you could do, um, you know, just verbal uh, pre-approvals. Yep. Well, the technology around cryptocurrency doesn't allow for the manipulation of the system. Right. And so um, the best returning asset for the last 13 years is cryptocurrency, period. Not even close. 212% annualized growth rate for the last 12 years. So if you're asking me, would I rather have cash that's losing its value to the tune of 15% right now annually or a 212% appreciating asset? It's a very clear non-decision that I'll take that in uh, a reputable cryptocurrency all day long, every day. What he said. That's, that's what <laughs> I, I feel I, like. We just got like he's been yeah. just. I don't, it's been like percolating in his head. He just needs like an outlet to just let all that. <laughs> that's out. right. Dude. That's right. <laughs> he said something about some white papers, and I whose who's white papers are those? <laughs> Man, it's uh, it, it's crazy when you if you go down the rabbit hole where it, where you start to really question everything you yeah. thought about money yeah. before, and what you have to do though is you have to silence the noise of the mainstream media and the masses because it is such a complex topic when you think about it when you think from the perspective of what you know as an american you're thinking incredibly limited and we only know money in the u.s dollar equivalent however you know when you think about 40 percent of the global population is unbanked 
and we're a pretty global society. Right. Africa, as a as a majority, has no access to a reliable banking system, and and the technology behind cryptocurrency is able to solve a lot of that problem yeah. because it's peer to peer lending, right. where you can trust that when I tell you I have two dollars equivalent that I haven't also given my $2 to Tyler and to Kate. Right. The, I only have $2. If, when we think about the global financial crisis of, of 08 and 09, um, people were lending money that didn't have money because there's a intermediary third party who has an incentive to get paid to manipulate the validity of our transaction. Software doesn't have a decentralized software doesn't have the ability to be corruptible like that. So if I tell you that I have the money for a down payment, the system knows if I have the money for a down payment or not. Yeah. The mortgage process, while significantly improved in the last 10 years, still is corruptible comparatively.